Before we get going, here's the bit where I remind you that nothing we discussed should be considered as investment advice. This conversation is for informational and hopefully entertainment purposes only. So while we hope you find it both informative and entertaining, please do your own research or speak to a financial advisor before putting a dime of your money into these crazy markets. What you're about to hear is a special preview of the latest episode of the Grant Williams podcast, featuring my special guest, Luke Groman of Forest for the Trees. Luke's a good mate and a master at joining seemingly obscure dots into a narrative that helps often explain the bigger macro picture. Over the years, his work has helped me piece together complex strategic and geopolitical narratives that have helped inform my views on precious metals, oil, currencies, capital flows, and and so much more. Now, in this conversation, we discuss the book 1931, Debt, Crisis, and the Rise of Hitler, and try to better understand historical parallels that echo loudly in the present. The seemingly inevitable path to yield curve control, the similarities and differences between Japan and the West, and the likely consequences of unfettered stimulus all come under the microscope in what I found to be yet another eye-opening conversation. Every episode of the Grant Williams podcast, including The Endgame, The Super Terrific Happy Hour, and The Narrative Game, is available to copper and silver tier subscribers at my website, grant-williams.com. Copper tier subscribers get access to all podcasts, while members of the silver tier get both the podcasts and my monthly newsletter, Things That Make You Go Hmm. So, if you enjoy what you hear on the show and you want more high-quality content like it, Make your way over to grant-williams.com and join our exciting community today. And with that, please enjoy the show. Luke, mate, it's so good to talk to you again. It's been been way too long, my friend. (laughs) Likewise. It's uh, I was excited to get the opportunity to sit down and chat, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. You know, you and I both have a great love of history and, and we both, I know, read a lot of the same books and both bore everybody stupid about what a great read The Lords of Finance is. But you know, what really kind of shook me into action to call you and have another chat, which, which is long overdue, was a piece you wrote recently about 1931, which I've ordered. I, I can't do the Kindle thing. I just, I have to have the books. So I've ordered that. It should be with me soon. But yeah, I, I'm reading through your piece and you, better than anybody I know, have this incredible ability to dig out pertinent passages from not just past periods of time but from you know people who've been in important situations and difficult situations throughout history and relate them to today and and as i read that piece going back to 1931 it it just set all kinds of alarm bells ringing in my head and you know i i found since i first accidentally stumbled upon your work all those years ago there's nobody i know who has a greater track record of taking things that I spend hours sitting around trying to conceptualize and work out what it is that's disturbing me. And then I pick up your work and I go, yeah, that's it. That's it. He just wrote out exactly what I was thinking. So look, what I'd love to talk about today is, is that piece in particular, but on a much broader canvas, some of the stuff you've also written about recently in terms of stimulus, in terms of growth rates, there, there is so much going on right now that I feel is incredibly important. And there aren't, that many people talking about it. So that's a very broad introduction to the conversation, but perhaps what we could do is start with that 1931 piece and I'll let you kind of sketch it out and and I'm going to, I've got plenty of questions for you. Sure. So, so uh, like you said, I'm, I'm a, I'm a 
a big fan of economic history. And, and a big part of why that is, is, I mean, the old investing saw, right? It's never different this time. And I think it's valuable to look back in time and see how humans reacted because in the end, particularly when you're focused on the economic side of it, it's, it always comes down to greed and fear. It's greed and fear. And greed and fear doesn't change whether it's now or whether it's 1931 or whether it's 1831 or it's 5,000 BC. It's greed and fear. And so uh, someone pointed out to me, and I, I forgive, uh, please forgive me, I don't remember who, this book, 1931, uh, uh, I think it was Debt, Germany, Debt, and the Rise of Hitler, but it's by Tobias Strawman. And started reading the book and it's a very easy reading it's 200 220 pages because it's focused almost entirely on the year 1931 which was really when the global financial crisis uh, really began spiraling out of control and the thing that grabbed me most about it there was a line that said the politically practicable and the economically possible were at war with each other yeah and uh from the years 1919 to 1933 and uh, really came to a head in 31. And what was one of the things that fascinated in terms of what that actually meant was the German uh, economy was a twin deficit economy. They were running deficits on fiscal deficits. They were running trade deficits in the aftermath of the war. And they also had these massive war reparations that were uh, inflation adjusting. And they were, so the, they have an into, they, they've also borrowed a bunch of money away from the war reparations from foreigners to finance all these, these, these projects, et cetera. And so they have external debt and they have internal debt. And as the global uh, economy slows down beginning in the late 1920s into the 30s, uh, the, uh, the Germans were basically, as I put it, trying to ride two horses with one ass, which was trying to satisfy these domestic creditors and the external creditors. And there's actually a passage in the book um, where uh, the, 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 uh, the, chance, or the, the Chancellor of Germany at the time, Brüning, says our strategy is going to be to tell the external creditors, particularly as it relates to the war reparations, that we're going to keep paying the war reparations. While at the same time, we're going to tell the domestic audience that is sick of the austerity that we keep putting on them so that we can repay the war reparations, that we're not going to repay the war reparations. And so it's this, this 1931 is just a lot of what grabbed me about it as it relates to today is, is once again, we have the United States, which is a twin deficit nation on both the fiscal deficit side and on the trade deficit side. We have massive external debt that we have racked up over the last uh, 50, 70 years. And we have our own version of war reparations, inflation-adjusting war reparations, which are in particular Medicare, Medicaid, mm -hmm. and to a lesser extent, Social Security, because people say, well, we, we only owe our debt in dollars, so it's not a problem. And for the external portion of that, that's, that's technically true. But we owe, for Medicare, Medicaid, we don't owe dollars. We owe healthcare goods. We owe healthcare services. And, and the Fed cannot print those. And so there's that same dynamic of that, but there's this... In the particularly in the aftermath of COVID, which really set this process into uh, high gear, this dynamic of the Fed trying to ride two horses with that one ass, where they are, uh, and we can see it now with 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 Biden, where 
we're trying to convince the domestic audience that the stimmy checks are going to keep coming, that, that there's nothing, there's going to be no reforms of entitlements, that defense is going to get everything they want and more. All this stuff we're spending money on domestically, while at the same time, we're trying to convince the treasury market that don't worry, you're, we're not going to debase your dollars. And yeah. this, as I read this book, it was really uh, in the end of February uh, that I read this book, maybe very early March. And so that was really... February was really the first time where we saw the treasury market get a little bit of indigestion. Mm -hmm. And that was in the aftermath of uh, Biden coming out and saying, yes, we have a recovery. And yes, the vaccines are going great. And yes, we just did uh, a big stimulus and we're going to do another trillion nine. And the treasury market kind of goes, what? what? And and backs up a little bit. And then (laughs) two weeks after that is we might do another three after that. Actually, check that. It might be four. Might and, be four, yeah. <laughs> like, it's a bidding war. Do I hear five? Do I hear five? So uh, to us, it was a very apropos time to read that book. The story is very apropos. And the book was written in 2020, uh, interestingly enough. And so it's really this uh, dynamic of, of trying to satisfy two diametrically opposite constituencies at the same time in an economic environment that makes it very, very, or increasingly difficult to do so. So that's that was um, sort of the the, I guess the, the, the two minute version of, of what grabbed me about that book. No, and and it's funny that, that quote, um, which I quoted at the top of the show to to introduce this piece, it just, it slapped me like a piece of two by four in the face because it's, it's exactly where we are now, right? You, you, you have to tell everybody that the treasury and the dollar are are, are good and solid and we're going to protect those. But at the same time, you have to trash them domestically. And, you know, look, look, I think everybody knows that domestic politics always trumps international politics when it comes down to it, because there ain't no voters overseas, right? You want to stay in power, they're only coming internally. And so we find ourselves in that exact situation that, that you describe. You know, we have, we have this, these huge debts, we have enormous amount of holders of treasuries, we have an incredible need to issue who knows how many more. And so you've got to keep all that going. And, th- and that's why reading those quotes and reading the whole of that piece of yours made me realize just how quickly this whole thing can unravel once that belief is lost, once people start joining the dots together, and once they start to kind of see the writing on the wall. Yeah, I think that's right. And that's, you know, it's interesting in the book itself, there's, I mean, there's there's important, some important differences that, that, have to be considered for uh, how quickly this can happen and and how it can look potentially, right? So uh, the biggest, of course, is that we're the global reserve currency, Germany was not. And that's a very big one. And quite frankly, that's been the thing that has kept us from this problem uh, up until this point. Uh, The political situation in Germany was very different. It was much more politically toxic. You had hundreds of political assassinations uh, all around the country. Um, You had leftists out in the street fighting the police. Oh, wait, that was happening last summer in the United States as well. Um, So so it was far far more extreme. But the point is, is that the U.S. political situation has in the last year gotten much more untenable in terms of communicating to our policymakers that uh, austerity is a politically tenable option. And then the other is that the United States is just way bigger than Germany. So I I don't think the currency destroying hyperinflation that Weimar saw in 1919 to 1923 
is on the table because at the right price of everything, the U.S. can produce just about everything it needs. And we saw that in the oil market yeah. and from 1998 to, to 2008 when the price went up. You know, the dollar fell against oil by 90 percent and the U.S. got a huge shale industry out of it. So those are some things that are... full conversation is available to subscribers to the copper and silver tiers of my website grant-williams.com nothing we discussed should be considered as investment advice this conversation is for informational and hopefully entertainment purposes only so while we hope you find it both informative and entertaining please do your own research or speak to a financial advisor before putting a dime of your money into these crazy markets